This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. And a guten Erev Shabbos. I'm Mashi Lipsker. Delighted to be with you today on Chai FM. I want to say hi to all our friends out there, to all the listeners, and to my friends at our parents' home. How are you all? Wishing everybody a Chag Kasher V'Sameach, a joyous, but really a kosher and joyous Pesach. And to quote the Lubavitcher Rebison, she said, if it will be kosher, it will be joyous. Actually, that is the underlying theme. When we do things right, it fills us with joy. If it's kosher, it's happy. And that's what we want to speak about today. We want to speak about making your Seder meaningful. So much hard work goes into preparing. What are we left with afterwards? The truth is we need to be left with a lot. It's not just about, thank God that's over. As the Rebbe says, not Baruch Hashem Aribarayontif, but Baruch Hashem Mitkinumanayontif. Not thank God we got through it. Thank God that Yontif is over. Chas v'sholem, God forbid. Rather, thank God we have taken a Yontif with us. A Yontif has been added to us. We have come through this enriched for life. And therefore, it's important to have a good look at the Yontif, at the season in which it falls. And of course, to take note that the days are getting shorter we will be lighting candles before 6 o'clock today, 5.58. And Shabbos finishes before 7 tomorrow, 6.46. Special message at, that needs to go out to all our listeners, all our Jewish listeners, and for them to remind their friends that your chometz must be sold. We may not be in possession of any chometz whatsoever, throughout the eight days of Pesach. And that includes the chametz that has been absorbed into our dishes, the chametz that we have that we don't even know about, the chametz that's left over that we're going to lock away. That's not good enough. We have to, in addition to that, go through the process that our sages have given us, and that is that we sell the chametz. And of course, after Pesach, Usually, we get it back. It's We buy it back. But this is done in a very specific way through the Johannesburg Beth Din. You can phone the Beth Din. You can phone your rabbi. You can phone Chabad House. Double four zero double six double zero. All of this can be done online. So please make sure that you've not only prepared beautifully and changed over and have people at your Seder, etc., but that you are in no possession of chametz throughout Pesach, in your business, in any one of your addresses, in your home, in your kitchen, or in any other room. It can all be sold according to specification. Well, we're in a very special month. This is the month of Nisan. And the word in Hebrew for miracle is nes. And nisan actually connotes 
it expresses not only a miracle, but miracle of miracles. Because the letter Nun for Nais is the beginning, and the letter Nun for Nais is the ending. Miracle of miracles. And we want to look at how do we make a miracle in our own lives. And we want to look at what Nisan can do for us to enrich us and to bring its power, its miraculous power, into our lives. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. This is Chai FM. And today is Erev Shabbos Hagodl. It is Erev Shabbos of the Shabbos before Pesach. Please God, tomorrow in Shul after Mincha, we will read a large section of the Haggadah in preparation. It is a special Shabbos, historically commemorating how the firstborns in Egypt rose up against Pharaoh to say, let this people go before we all die. It is a day when the tide clearly turned in favor of the oppressed, when clearly God had heard their cries. This month, Nisan, the Torah tells us, This month is going to be ahead for all the months. Nisan is like a new beginning. Nisan, of course, the highlight of Nisan in the middle of the month, in the 15th, will be Pesach. And it's like Pesach is a Rosh Hashanah, a new beginning. What kind of difference is there between this Rosh Hashanah and the Rosh Hashanah we know so well that comes on the first of Tishrei, that comes after the month of Elul? Well, Rosh Hashanah in Shul We pray that God gives us our needs. In the month of Elul running up to Rosh Hashanah, we introspect and we try and repair things that were not the way they should have been. We prepare. We show God a face of contrition. We say, Hashem, I'm going to make it better. Please give me all my needs for the year. We look back, we look forward, and we have a whole month of preparation. But what we're praying for and what we can ask for are things that we understand, things that fit into our normal lives. And Rosh Hashanah commemorates the sixth day of creation when man was created. Rosh Hashanah is the time when the world was created. And when God created the world, infinite God created something called Teva, nature. He created something with rules. There would be a sun. The sun would go up. The sun would go down. There would be days. There would be planets. There would be animals. There would be light and dark, vegetation, dry land, the seas, and all the inhabitants therein. There would be birds. There would be fish. God created a natural world. Summer, winter, spring, autumn. The time and the place 
and the people. The things, the hosts of the world were all created, and we relate to all of that, and we ask Hashem to bless us in our daily lives. So what is this Pesach Rosh Hashanah all about? Well, the month of Nisan is a month of miracles. As its name tells us, Nisan, Nisei Nisim, miracle of miracles. It's the month in which the Jewish nation, almost three million souls, marched out of Egypt. When not one slave had ever been able to escape They were the power in the world at that time. A ruthless, mighty, absolutely dominating nation. And a slave nation marched forth down to its last person out of Egypt. It was a time of incredible miracles, the year that led up to it. Every month there was a plague. There were weeks of warning and there was the plague three weeks and one week. Things that were extraordinary were revealed in nature. And this month, this month of miracles, is the head or the Rosh Hashanah over all the months, including the Rosh Hashanah in Tishrei. But it is the beginning of miracles. In Tishrei, It is the beginning of the new year in nature. Nisan is the beginning of the year in terms of God revealing himself in the world beyond nature, above nature. On Rosh Hashanah, we are able to ask God for blessings in the world, in our lives, in nature. Pesach is all about the miraculous about not just seeing God in the world, but seeing God break the rules of nature that he has put into place. What we can ask for on Rosh Hashanah might be great. What we can receive through our prayers on Rosh Hashanah might be wonderful. But those blessings are limited. They are limited because we cannot conceptualize anything that we haven't experienced, that we cannot relate to. But Pesach, Pesach, we can be given blessings beyond nature, beyond this world. This is the month of Nisei Nisei, miracle of miracles. What is a miracle? Something which defies nature, above nature. And the name of this festival, well, it has several. One of them is Chag HaPesach, the festival of passing over, of jumping over. Another name is Zman Cherutenu, the time of our freedom. And the question is, what is freedom? Freedom from what? Freedom from physical masters? Yes, there was a liberation. But we all know that we tend to limit ourselves, that we have inner limitations, inner masters. And we want to make sure, as we become aware and as we develop in life, 
that our inner masters are good ones. They are leading us to growth, fulfillment, and joy. And so we have on this festival of liberation something that the Torah instructs us to eat, and it's called matzah. And matzah is flour and water, but flat. Matzah symbolizes humility. Matzah symbolizes understanding our place in this world, not overrating who we are. Matzah is like beetle, nullification, not destroying oneself, but having the proper perspective and balance as to who we are and what we're doing here. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. A good nerve of Shabbos, a good nerve of We're talking Pesach. And we're talking about making the Seder meaningful. We're talking about making Pesach meaningful. So what's it all about? We've mentioned that it comes in the month of miracles, Nisan. And we know that whatever takes place historically at a particular time is because there's an energy in that time, at that time, in that season, for the particular happening to take place. The transformation of Purim, the revelation at Sinai for Shavuot. We've got these energies that revisit us. And if we access them, we can bring those very gifts into our own lives. And we are in a time of miracles now. Our sages tell us that in the month of Nisan, our ancestors were redeemed from Egypt. And in Nisan, they will in the future be redeemed. It's a very special time. We're also told that Pesach is really all about the children. It's really all about Vehigadatolavincha. Tell your child what happened. Relate to your child of all that God has done for you, for your ancestors. Let him relate, be in touch with, and make it his own. We are called children unto the Lord our God. Bonimatem lahashem aleikechem. It is God who has taken us out of Egypt. What is Egypt? The word Egypt is from the word limitation, meitzar, like tzoros. Meitzar is narrow, limitation. Meitzarim, limitations. We all have them. It's a human element. It's the way God made us. But what we yearn for is to leave Egypt, to be rid of our weaknesses, to transform them into something positive and strong, to use them so that we can develop into strong, healthy, conscious people who are living consciously, living their mission, living God's dream, which, of course, is our inner dream, our inner desire. God, on a daily basis, helps us to leave our limitations. We say it in the Shema. 
we say, I am the Lord your God. On a daily basis, God takes us out from the land of Egypt. He takes us out from a desire for limited things and connects us with the ultimate good. And that is to be conscious of what we're doing in this world, to be aware no matter what happens, to be strongly aware of him as directing and leading it. So we want to go to the Seder. We want to look at why and how is the Seder a central theme of Pesach and what is it meant to accomplish for us. When God took us out of Egypt, that was taking the yoke of physical slavery away. But man does not stay free. The biggest freedom is if we can control and direct ourselves. But the question is where to? And for what? And for that, seven weeks later, God gave us the Holy Torah. But let's look at the Seder. What does Seder mean? Seder means order, structure. And since we are children unto the Lord our God, everything in the Torah is like a father speaking to his child with love, with a desire for the child to develop and grow and find true balance in life. Because we are a body housing a soul, the goal really is to live in nature but with an awareness of the beyond nature. To live in what we call the normal, but to recognize that it too is a creation of God for his reasons and that we live in nature attached to holiness and spirituality. And the Seder is a time to teach this to our children. And the first message is Seder. There needs to be structure. There needs to be order, for Seder means order. And we know that in the Seder, there are 15 steps. Just like the 15 Shir Hamalot, Song of Ascent, it is a joyful experience, and it is an experience of growth. So we look at the Seder, and the first thing we do is to take the Seder book, which is called Haggadah. It's not a Sidur. It's not a Machzor. It's called Haggadah. What does Haggadah mean? Haggadah, the thing that relates or tells the story, Lahagid. And it's taken from God's injunction, Vihigadeta levincha bayayim hahu. When God took us out of Egypt, he said, and you shall tell it to your children on that day. And we know that in the Seder, four children feature. All the children must come. No matter where they are now, we include them. We engage with them. We talk to them from where they're at. We don't want to say on their level only, but we don't reject. We invite we engage. You are 
belong. And the Haggadah is not shy to say that one is wise and one is wicked and places the wicked next to the wise one. And one is simple. And one does not even know how to ask. And the Rebbe indicates not only does he not know how to ask, but you can read it, he doesn't know that he's allowed to ask. Yiddishkeit is a religion of obedience and at the same time a religion of questioning. But it depends whom you ask. Questioning, dialogue is encouraged in the right place with the right person. It can only cause you to grow and to reach inward to develop who you really are. And the child is encouraged to ask. That's what the Seder is all about. Things are done just to pique the interest of the child. And the book is called Haggadah, to tell the story based on the biblical injunction, and you shall tell it to your children, by in order to tell it to your children, you yourself have to know what to tell. So there's an obligation to know, to delve, to read, to prepare. And in the days leading up to the Seder, there are so many wonderful, wonderful Haggadot with commentary, with stories, so that when the father and the mother sit at the Seder, it can be rich for the children. They will tell the children. Not only is it a time for the children to show what they made at school and to say the Manishtana, of course. But it's a very special evening to teach your children appropriate for who they are, for their age, for their station in life. One is wise, one is wicked. One is simple, and one does not even know how to ask or that he's allowed to ask. And we go out of our way to include spiritual children. There are so many people around us who don't know. And when we bring them to the Seder and they celebrate and they hear, this is an incredible, incredible aspect of you will teach it, you will tell it, related to your children on that day. So we have the Haggadah, and indeed, one of the 15 steps of the Seder is called Magid, to tell the story, and it is the longest part of the Seder. It is the richest part of the Seder. It is a time for discussion and singing. It is a time to be together with our ancestors, together with those present, and to look toward the future to look toward the time when everyone will be educated and will want to know more and more. So we have a Seder, which means structure order. We have a Haggadah. And the Seder begins with the first of the 15 steps called Kadesh. Kadesh literally means make Kiddush, recite the blessing over the wine. But the word Kadesh, Kadosh, is from the word holy, separate, unique, designated. And the message to the child, you are special. You are unique. 
You belong to a holy nation. You have a holy responsibility. This is not just a custom. Family gets together twice a year to have a seder. Not at all. This is a holy celebration that we do according to the details, the details that will bring us and God Himself tremendous joy. Kadesh, be proud, be proud of being different. Carry your mission with great purpose, with great pride, with great devotion. The second step, urchatz. Urchatz means that we wash our hands now, but we do not make a bracha. What are the hands? The hands are the vessels of action. This is a world that is known as the world of action, olam ha'asiyah. One action, one good deed, one coin given, one holding of the lulav and etrog, wrapping of tefillin, lighting a candle for Shabbos. Those details that are done with the hands can change the world. We want our children to know that the hands are important. But when you do a mitzvah, when you're going to look at yourself as holy and special, make sure it does not lead to anything that is unworthy. Wash your hands. Make sure that you approach your actions in this world with purity. Very often, we love certain mitzvot. They are lovely customs. Then we're doing them for ourselves. But we are just one small cog in the wheel. We are just one small link in the chain. We want what we do to be meaningful to us now and throughout our lives and beyond. We want what we do to carry infinite meaning for our children. So urchatz, don't just do things because feels nice. Rinse your hands. And this is about the ordinary things that we do in our interaction with one another. There's no brocha made here. It's about the daily things. Make sure you approach them clean, pure. The third step is called karpas, dipping a vegetable into salt water. And we are told that this is a custom. Yes, there are meanings around why the vegetable and why the salt water, but essentially this is done to arouse the interest of the children and it highlights the importance of minhagim customs. What are minhagim? Minhagim customs are not just things that happen to be there, the frill, the decoration. We have to differentiate between a biblical injunction, a rabbinic injunction, something that's done in the spirit of the festival and a custom. And we are taught that customs are the most important thing because a person can study the Torah, keep its mitzvot, but without passion. Children in particular, and we're trying to reach them on the Seder night, children in particular need to have things that are interesting, 
you know, the world out there when they go and play with their friends, etc. There's a society. There's a vibe. There are things that we do, things that make us laugh, things that draw us together. We need to make the Yontif beautiful for them, attractive for them. And we say, Minhag avotenu biadenu. We keep the customs of our ancestors. Minhag Yisrael Torahi. Jewish customs are just like the Torah. Biblical injunctions, as it were. We do not give up on these customs. They are the things that will attract the child, hold the child. And here's where the mothers come in to make Jewish things, festivals, and anything else that we should do to surround them with things that make them beautiful. And I'm not talking about putting flowers on the Seder table, things that are important to children. It's an old custom to put nuts on the table. In our family, nuts in shells. And if the children did something well, they were rewarded with these filberts, these little round hazelnuts, which then they went to play with. They became like marbles for us. And you played something called umsigrod, odds or evens, holding nuts in your hands behind your back, shifting them from hand to hand, putting out your two hands and somebody has to guess, odds or evens. And they pick a hand and they say what they think. And if they're right, they get all the nuts. We have to make yontif. We have to make Yiddishkeit dressing in a an appropriate way. We have to make it beautiful so the children will want to. We have to bring beautiful food, beautiful kosher food to make them look forward to a yontif. We have to make them age-appropriate, exciting. And here we are at the beginning of this most important Seder, and we're busy dipping a vegetable into salt water to capture their interest and to highlight the supreme importance of min hagim, of Jewish customs, real Jewish customs. And then we come to something called yachatz, the fourth step. Yachatz in which we break the middle matzah. What is matzah? Matzah is humility, flat. But there too, it can be a kind of self-serving humility. Let's break it into half. Let's understand that we are only a half. If God says this kind of humility is appropriate, he's the other half. It's not because I'm shy. I'd rather not say. I can't express my opinion. It's not like that. This is a humility which is in keeping with the teaching that God is ever-present. It's an awareness of my place in this world. It's an awareness of the great privilege that God gives me. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. And a good ner of Shabbos and a good ner of Yontif. I'm Mashi Lipsker. This is 101.9 Chai FM. And we are talking the Seder. We are talking Pesach. And we say that this is a Seder. This is a structure. This is an ordered ceremony. But we're all sitting at home, and we're sitting with our children, and we're commemorating Exodus from Egypt, and we're trying to make it our own. 
And we are fulfilling the injunction, We don't want to have a Seder on our own. We want to have our children around us so we can tell them the story. We want to have spiritual children around us so we can share with others. We want to make this a wonderful, wonderful experience to go from limitation to great expanses, to go from slavery to freedom, spiritual freedom. And we've said that each one of these steps can teach us so much. It's all for the child, but we also have an inner child. We've got to be teaching ourselves these very same lessons. The first was Kadesh. Be holy, be proud of who you are. Urchatz, before you get involved, even in daily life, make sure your hands are clean. Make sure your motives are good. Make sure that you rinse off anything that could interfere with a pure connection with Hashem, even in the ordinary daily stuff of eating, of interacting, of the way we dress, the things which are not mitzvot per se, but they all need to be uplifted from a spiritual perspective because nothing in this world just is. It's not like we go to shul on Shabbos and the rest of the week we're not Jewish, God forbid. Everything we do is Jewish. Everything we do is Torah. Everything we do is connection with Hashem, and we want to teach that to our children. Number three was karpas, which highlights the importance of minhagim customs, for that is what will capture the child. You know, children want to belong. They don't want to just know that we do A, B, C, and D. They want to feel the joy of life. And that we see in the customs, in the fun things, in the interesting things, in the visual things. Number four was yachatz. We break the middle matzah. Matzah, flat. Humility. But it's not humility because I like feeling humble or I'm a shy person. This kind of humility is an awareness and feeling overawed by God's presence. And we break the matzah into two to remember I'm not just being humble because of me. There's a whole other side to this picture. And together, if I do it right, my humility can mean something constructive. It's not a negative. It's an awareness and a balance of how things really are. And finally, number five is Magid. Magid, we relate the story. And this is a very rich part of the Seder. And at the very beginning, the child will ask the four questions. The children are included. They, they are a highlight of the Seder. And we tell the story of the nation beginning from before Abraham became the first Jew, that his father was an idol worshiper. We don't hide these things. We want to be open with our children. We want to explain, yes, there's a big world out there, but we want them to learn about it from us. We want them to learn about it with us.
We want to be able to guide and teach them as to where everything fits in, to study it together, to look things up together. We want to tell them about the great sages who also kept the Pesach Seder and did what we are doing tonight. And what were they doing? They were misaprim bitziat mitzrayim. They were telling the story of leaving Egypt. So the question is obvious. These are sages. They did it last year. Why are they doing it again? These are sages. They know the story. Certainly, their students are great sages. Telling the story? Of what benefit could this be? And the answer is, if you look at the word misaprim, misaper means to tell, but it also means to polish, to refine, like sphira, the counting of the omer. In fact, a brilliant gem, a sapphire, is called evan sapir. Lisaper bitziat mitzrayim. They were refining exodus from limitation. It's an ongoing journey in life we tell our children and ourselves, our inner child. You're never really there. We are human, and we must constantly be growing, refining our exodus, our releasing ourselves from our own limitations, from our human limitations, in order to rise higher and be focused on things that are good, things that are spiritual, things that are godly, things that connect us to God and bring us such incredible inner peace and joy. So we have the Magid, and we hear the four questions. We read about the four sons. We sing the Dayenu. We praise God's name. It is an incredible, incredible part of the Seder. It is the most important part of the Seder. For those of you who are wondering, the meal is not. Because by the time we come to the meal, as you soon hear, we will have eaten great portions. Those, according to halacha, how much matzah you have to eat and how much maror, bitter herbs you have to eat, really fills you up. Finally, when the maggid is finished, when we've told the story over and over again, it is time for the meal. But before the meal, number six is rochza, to wash your hands, and this time make a bracha. And the washing of the hands, of course, is in preparation of eating bread. But over Pesach, our matzah is our bread. And we will wash our hands in exactly the same way. There are those who wash once, twice or three times, first on the right, if you're right-handed, otherwise the other way around. And then again, once, twice or three times on the left hand. And the bracha recited is, Asher kiddishanu b'mitzvotav v'tzivanu al netilat yadayim. And then we will eat the matzah. Number seven. Number eight, motzi matzah. We make two blessings. One is the bread or matzah blessing, hamotzi lecha min ha'aretz. But then we have a special thanking God for sanctifying us with his commandments and commanding us to eat the matzah, a biblical injunction. What are we saying here? What are we telling the children? 
We've just finished the whole history. What more is there to tell? Well, everything we've said so far, in a sense, is theoretical. Now we're pointing to this bread and we're saying, Hashem's blessings are in absolutely everything in life. In the small things, in the big things, in the flour and water, in the basics, in breathing, in the fresh air, in the fresh water, in the fact that we wake up every morning, in the basics. Motsi matzah, the very bread and butter of life, is God's ongoing gift to us. Make a blessing over it. Elevate it. Don't take it for granted. Take nothing for granted. Ingest it. Digest it. Make it part of you. And then it's the maror, eating the bitter herbs. And that, of course, is to teach the children when things are not going my way. That, too, is from God. God is a good God, but I don't always understand. And if I must eat these bitter herbs, I will not only eat them, but I will make a blessing. For God knows what he's doing, and he is making something which is good for me. Thank you, Hashem, our Lord, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his mitzvahs and commanded us to eat the bitter herbs, or the bitter herbs, as we Americans say, to actually ingest it and make it part of ourselves, to understand that this can lead to incredible, incredible growth and blessing. But more than that, it actually comes from a good place. And Hashem only sends goodness, even though it may not appear so in my life. Which leads us to the next, which is the Matsumura sandwich. And basically understanding that we have blessings in our lives, even while we have challenges. And to remember that we must highlight those blessings. We have the matzah, which is not bitter. So inside is a bit of bitter herbs, but we need to keep our eye on the fact that we have many, many blessings that are sandwiched together with the difficulties. Finally, we come to Shulchan Orech. We come to the meal. And it's not just a meal, but it's a set table. And the set table indicates to us that everything in life has to have an order. It cannot just have haphazard, come as you like. There needs to be a seder. Shulchan Orech, a set table. And here, too, the mother is so important. The structure in the home. The structure in the ordinary things, which maximizes the possibility of using God's blessings of time, space, to the maximum of using whatever he gives us to the absolute maximum. When we finish the meal, we're going to eat afikomen for dessert. What's afikomen? Afikomen is another piece of matzah, the piece that we broke off in the beginning and we hid away. But safun means hidden. We must remember that everything in our lives comes from Hashem. He is the hidden factor. He is the miraculous factor. And through living correctly, we join with that. We're living in nature, 
but we are connected. We are reassured that Hashem is sending all of these things, although He is hidden. The time will come when we too will understand. But for now, we eat the Afikoimen and remember that God is always with us despite being hidden. Then we come to Beirach. We do the grace after meals. That's all about gratitude. After that, we come to Hallel, praising God for putting us into such a beautiful world, being aware of the history, the miracles, his ongoing presence, and that it is up to us to look around and praise him for all of creation and for having put us into such an amazing, amazing world, amazing life with an amazing mission. And number 15 is Nirzah. Nirzah means satisfied, accepted. We need to have pride. We need to understand nothing wrong with being satisfied from time to time, grateful for the mission he has given us and for allowing us to be a partner in his world. May we merit to have Seder, order in our lives, to tell it to our children and to our inner child, and to emerge in this month of miracles toward the second half of Pesach, which is a time that looks to the future, and the eighth day being that day of the Mashiach. Wishing you a good Shabbos, a kosheron, and a Pesach. All the best to you all.